Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a message from our current series, Summer in the Gospels. This summer, we're spending our Sunday mornings in the Gospels, which are the first four books in the New Testament. In each passage, Jesus teaches an important lesson about what it means to follow Him. When we read these scriptures, it will help us learn more about Jesus and how to help us follow Him. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. Good morning. Did you notice he called me Ben? (laughs) Invite Ben to come up. (laughs) Uh, That's good. We're going to be looking at some scriptures in Matthew this morning. And it's a fitting end to the Summer in the Gospels. We're going to talk about the end times this morning. And we're going to open up to Matthew chapter 24, and I'm going to read verses 3 through 8. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Well, Heavenly Father, thank you that Jesus spoke these words to his disciples when he was here on earth. And they are for us, and and they are warning us to to be ready, because he will come back someday. In Jesus' name, amen. The word Maranatha is a Syriac expression that means our Lord comes. It was used as a greeting in the early church. When believers gathered or parted, they didn't say hello or goodbye, but Maranatha. If we had the same upward look today, it may revolutionize the church. It would be wonderful if God's people had a deepening awareness of the imminent return of the Savior. While on a South Pole expedition, British explorer Sir Ernest Shackleton left a few men on Elephant Island. Yeah, Elephant Island, Ben. (laughs) Promising that he would return. Later, when he tried to get back, huge icebergs blocked the way. But suddenly, as if by a miracle, an avenue opened in the ice and Shackleton was able to get through. His men, ready and waiting, scrambled aboard. No sooner had the ship cleared the island than the ice crashed together behind them. Contemplating their narrow escape, Shackleton said to his men, it was fortunate that you were all packed and ready to go. They replied, we never gave up hope. Whenever the sea was clear of ice, we rolled up our sleeping bags and reminded each other, the boss may come today. I don't know of any Bible-believing church that doesn't have in their doctrinal statement that they believe the Lord Jesus Christ is coming again someday. It's right here in the Bible. He tells us all about it. But do we live like we really expect it? When you leave today, don't say goodbye. Say, Maranatha. It's a good reminder that our Lord is coming. This passage is the beginning of what is known as the Olivet Discourse, where Jesus tells the disciples about the end times. These verses warn us to be ready and waiting for the second coming of the Lord Jesus. 
Twice in verses 4 and 5, Jesus warns us not to be deceived. Let me read those verses again. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. Be ready for the deceivers because they will try to entice many away from the truth. The American Banking Association once sponsored a two-week training program to help tellers detect counterfeit bills. The program was unique. Never during the two-week training did the tellers even look at a counterfeit bill, nor did they listen to any lectures concerning the characteristics of counterfeit bills. All they did for two weeks was handle authentic currency, hour after hour, day after day, until they were so familiar with the true that they could not possibly be fooled by the false. We need to study, meditate on, and apply God's word until we are so familiar with it that we cannot be fooled by anything less than the real truth. There are common everyday things that, um, that get in the way of our knowing the truth. One of those things is our feelings. When it doesn't feel good or seem right to us, we have a tendency to reject it as not being from God. Early in our Christian walk, Lorley and I had a hurtful experience. We were brokenhearted and we were shaken to the core. We had been praying and asking God to intervene in a situation in our lives that was life-altering. It didn't go as we hoped. In fact, it couldn't have been more opposite of what we had hoped and prayed for. I met with my pastor and mentor at the time, Pastor Dean, and I poured out my heart to him in, in, in tears. Well, he had a practice of always going to the Bible and to comparing what was going on in life to what, what God said about it. He took me to Judges chapter 20. That passage tells of a time when the tribe of Benjamin would not surrender the wicked men who had killed the wife of a Levite. And the Levite had sent to all the tribes in Israel to bring judgment on the Benjamites. Israel went up to Bethel and inquired of the Lord, and God answered and sent the tribe of uh, Judah up against the Benjamites. Well, the Benjamites came out and cut down 20,000 Israelites. Then the Israelites wept before the Lord and inquired, asking should they go up against the tribe of Benjamin again? This time, the Lord answered and said, go up, go up and fight the Benjamites again. This time the Benjamites cut down 18,000 Israelites. They had inquired of the Lord and he had answered them. They were obedient to God and this was the result. They were praying and asking the Lord and doing, doing his will and look how it turns out. I said to my pastor, this is the best place you could bring me here? Here I am in tears. Sometimes the real thing feels bad. Sometimes it doesn't feel good to be obedient to God. But God has plans that we don't know anything about until the time comes for us to know. However, in the long term, the situation that broke our hearts led us to adopting our sons Benjamin and his brother Marcus from Bulgaria and Romania. God is not so much concerned with our feelings as he is with our obedience. I'll say that again. God is not so much concerned with our feelings as he is with our obedience. The culture we live in can also deceive us. We all want to fit in. We don't want to offend people or go against the grain. 
tolerance. Everyone wants us to be tolerant of others' values and the way they live. Well, tolerance used to mean allowing someone to have different beliefs than us and not persecuting them for what they believe. But today it has come to mean something quite different. Today it means to affirm what they believe is true. And sometimes that's just not possible or loving. When we're familiar with the Word of God and the standards that God has set for us, it's no longer possible to affirm something that says the opposite of what God says. There are times when we must speak the truth into a situation, even when it's not popular or politically correct. The truth does not change with culture. Jeremiah 17, 5 and 7 say, This is what the Lord says, Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. A few verses later, Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? People are deceived in their, by their hearts. Cultural norms are formed by the deceit of people's hearts. They judge by their feelings and emotions and not by the truth in the Word of God. Here's a quote from Adrian Rogers, a Southern Baptist pastor and author of 18 books and a past president of the Southern Baptist Convention. It is better to be divided by truth than united in error. It is better to truth, speak the truth that hurts and then it heals rather than falsehood that comforts and then kills. It is not love and it is not friendship if we fail to declare the whole counsel of God. It is better to be hated for telling the truth than to be loved for telling a lie. It is impossible to find anyone in the Bible who has a power for God who did not have enemies and was not hated. It is better to stand alone with the truth than to be wrong with a multitude and is better ultimately to succeed with the truth than to temporarily succeed with a lie. Well, the only way that we're going to recognize the truth is to know our Bibles, to handle it on a daily basis and to apply it in our lives and to be so used to it that we recognize the lies automatically. When I was a young teenager, I started to play golf, 12 years old. When I was 13, the next year, I started, I started working on a golf course. I got a job on a golf course. I was there every day, seven days a week, from dawn to dark. I only worked three or four hours a day, and the rest of the time I played golf. The owner of the golf course paid us a dollar an hour to work, and we played golf for free. That's aging me a little bit, I know, <laughs> but I'm old. When we started to get good at golf, he would pay us a dollar an hour to practice on the practice range or practice chipping and putting instead of playing golf on the golf course. I jumped all over that, and my game improved dramatically. I practiced, and I practiced. I hit ball after ball after ball after ball. I knew how far I hit the ball with every club I had. I knew how to chip and putt. I knew how to judge the grain in the, in the greens. I knew how to judge the distance on the middle of the shot. I knew everything about the game. In fact, when I walked around in the, in the daytime, whether I had a golf club in my head or not, I was swinging the golf club. That's all I did all day long. My whole teenage years, I grew up swinging the golf club, and I was good. I got it down to, to zero. I got it down to scratch. It was part of my nature. When I got married and had children, I stopped playing golf. 
I stopped practicing and I stopped being good. It no longer felt comfortable and I lost the ability to shoot a good score. The same thing happens to us when we neglect our time with God in Bible and prayer and fellowship with our brothers and sisters. God's word can be like that to us. If we interact with it on a daily basis, it becomes part of our nature. We also need to spend time together with others in the family of God and compare notes and experiences and share our lives with them. It's impossible to interpret the things the Bible says. Well, it's, it is possible. It's possible to interpret the things the Bible says incorrectly. So we need each other to hold us to the truth as it is written and not what we want it to say. We need to be part of a church that listens and listen to the Bible being taught and applied in our lives on a regular basis. These things are available here at Valley Brook on Sundays and during the week in small groups. There are many opportunities to serve together in outreach to the community around us. Back to Matthew chapter 24, verses 6 to 8. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. When you see these things happening around the world, wars and rumors of wars, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famines and earthquakes, don't be alarmed. Jesus said they would happen. He said they'd come. Paul adds to Jesus' list in, in 2 Timothy 3 and 4. He says, in the last days, people will be... Wait, this is a good one. Lovers of themselves. <laughs> Lovers of money. Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful, unholy, without self-control. Have you seen the news lately? Not lovers of good, lovers of pleasure. The time will come when they will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, they will, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers who say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Uh, yesterday, I was listening to the Christian radio, and the news came on and said that the, new, the AI, uh, artificial intelligence, is coming out with new Bible verses that are uh, sympathetic to the things that are going on in our culture nowadays. So it's, they, they gather teachers around them, they hear what their itching ears want to hear. So this is a, one of the best reasons I know that we need to know the Word of God. We need to know what the truth is. We need to be familiar so that we can't be fooled by the faults. Does this sound like the times we're living in? These are the beginning of labor pains. When a woman goes into labor, the pain starts to come slowly. There are long spaces between the pains as the labor progresses and the time for the birth gets closer, the pains come closer and they become more intense. As I look around the world today, I see the labor pains coming more closely and they are coming with greater intensity. What did Jesus say? See to it that you are not alarmed. He's getting closer. The labor pains are getting closer and more intense. He's, he's coming. Some, he's coming. In my father, Jesus said in, in John chapter 14, 1 through 6, do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. 
In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take it to be with me so that you may also be where I am. Thomas, Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When you look around at the world, don't let your hearts be troubled. Look up. If you trust in Jesus, he's preparing a place for you, and each day that passes brings his return closer. So if you knew Jesus was coming back today, what would you do? We should be living with the expectation that Jesus may come at any time. Luke chapter 12, verses 35 to 40. Be dressed and ready for service, and keep your lamps burning, like men waiting for their master return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants who finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve. He will have them recline at a table, and he will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. You also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. According to these verses, Jesus has rewards in store for those who are alert and ready for his return. He will dress himself and serve you at the table. Wow, I can't even imagine. I'm going to submit to you that being alert and ready for Jesus' return is a reward in itself. Living life for Jesus the way he wants, the way he asks, is a rewarding and fulfilling and joyful lifestyle. If nothing else happened, that would be the reward in itself. Later in Matthew, in the Olivet Discourse, Jesus tells the parable of talents. Three servants were given talents according to their ability. Two of the servants used their talents for their master's benefit, while the other buried his in the ground. Jesus praised the first two with the words, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. But Jesus condemned the one who buried his talent. When we come to faith in Jesus, he calls us into his body, into a community with other believers, and he gives each and every one of us gifts or talents that he expects us to use to build his kingdom. When he comes back, we want to be using the gifts he gave us. We don't want to bury them in the ground and waste them. When Jesus calls us, Jesus provides the power to do what he asks us to do. When Lorelei and I came to faith in Jesus, we lived in Manchester. We still do. But the church and the pastor that led us to faith were in Sturbridge, Mass. That's right, I drove all the way up to Sturbridge to hear this guy tell me that God doesn't always come through like we want him to in the beginning of the sermon. Huh. I had lunch with a man, when I first started going to the church there, I had lunch with a man who would later become another mentor of mine, and I asked him about churches closer to me that would be able to serve my needs better. He looked at me and smiled and said, you're asking the wrong question. It's not about what the church can do for you and serve you. It's about what you can bring to the church and serve the church. God gives you gifts to serve, not so that you can be served. And after I became more familiar with Jesus' words, 
I saw that these were the truest words I had ever heard. And the best decision we ever made was to stay at that church in Sturbridge, a 50-minute drive from our home, and receive solid discipleship from loving, growing mentors while we served the body of Christ there. We were there for over 11 years. So what do I want to be doing when Jesus comes? I want to be doing what he calls me and equips me to do. Early in my walk, it was going to seminary. That was hard. I had to finish my bachelor's degree first, and I was only halfway through college. I had to work and study and pay for my education all at the same time. And believe it or not, throw into the mix that God called us to adopt two sons from Bulgaria and Romania in that same period of time. The adoption processes were long and difficult and expensive. After we decided to adopt our first child, we went up to Agunquit, Maine. We found a bench there on the marginal way. It was marked in memory of Sarah Lefferts. We spent much of the three-day weekend on that bench, praying about the money for the adoption. When we got home, in the mail, there was an envelope with a check for the amount we needed for the adoption agency to proceed. Halfway through the process, we had been chosen a little boy, and we were praying for this little boy. Laura Lee was journaling to this little boy. On Mother's Day weekend, the adoption agency called us and told us that that little boy was no longer available. And, in the, and we, were, we were upset and uh, mourning and hurting. And the adoption agency told Laura Lee about another baby named Yanko that had just come into the system, and even though he was a little bit too young, they were going to let us have him because of all the trouble we'd gone through. So when they came back to us with the choices of, for the adoption, that boy wasn't on the list. Laura Lee said, wait a minute. <laughs> you told us about a boy named Yanko you said was going to be available. And she insisted on Yanko. And that's who we ended up adopting. You know him as Ben. As difficult, you know, we went through such a such a time in that adoption process of ups and downs and, and tears and joy that um, when, we, when we finally got Ben home and adopted him, my wife sent out these adoption announcements like, like birth announcements. We sent these to our friends and relatives in, in the mail. And it's from the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir song, He's Been Faithful. In our moments of fear, through every pain, every fear, there's a God who's been faithful to us. When our strength was all gone, when our heart had no song, still in love, he's proved faithful to us. Every word he's promised is true. What we thought was impossible, we've seen our God do. With great pride and joy, we welcome Benjamin Michael into our home and into our hearts, born July 24, 1994, in Stara Zagora, Bulgaria, placed into our loving arms on February 6th, 1996, in Stara Zagora, Bulgaria, arrived home at 50 Milford Road, Manchester, Connecticut, on February 11th, 1996. Benjamin fills our, harmed, our arms with love and our lives with happiness. Ed and Laura Lee Carroll. We had to put that on the front of the cards about his, God's faithfulness, because the people that, around us that were praying us through this a year and a half process, had to, had to know that it was all God that did this. He's, he's the one that was faithful. As difficult and emotional as that was, the second adoption of our second son, Mark, was even tougher. 
It took two and a half years by the time it was over. There was a corruption in the system, in the adoption system in Romania, and the government shut down adoptions altogether for, for, for months. When I traveled to Romania to complete the adoption, there was another snag, and there was some doubt that we'll be able to adopt Mark. That was on Easter weekend, and I came home empty-handed. We talked it over and decided that if Mark was not available, that he was the one God had chosen for us. And if we couldn't get him, we weren't going to adopt any, any other ch children. He was the one, one and only. After three months of praying and hoping, suddenly the adoption was complete, and I could go and pick up Mark and bring him home. I got a whole sermon about that one. <laughs> we spent many hours on that bench in Maine, but at the end of the adoption process, there could only be, there could be no doubt that God planned the whole roller coaster ride. Well, then God called us to serve at a small church in Middletown, and then to Ellington, then we served as Stephen Ministers in Manchester. All along the way, Lorley and I have spent many hours on that bench in Maine. We go up there every year for the past 30 years. We stay in the same place, right on the marginal way. We walk down the marginal way. We get to that benchmark, Sarah Lefferts, and we sit there and we pray. We spend time with Jesus and pray for all that God wants for us. It's been God's adventure. It's been exciting, at times heartbreaking, and fulfilling, and above all, joyful. You know, my mentors, when I first came to know Christ, they made me memorize James chapter 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Wow, I feel like I should be pretty mature and complete because I faced a few trials. But you know, God, that's how God forms us. That's how God shapes us. That's how God makes us into people that he can use to help others because everybody goes through it. And so how we respond to God is, is, is God's way of using us. When the, the, when the pandemic hit, God called Ben Ben lives in East Granby. We still live in Manchester. But we thought Ben should have a church home because we're, we're not going to be here forever. So we thought Ben should be, have a church home close to himself. And we, we looked on the internet and we saw this church. And we said, yeah, let's, I listened to Clark a few times. Said, yeah, let's try it. Well, during the week, we drove up here. And it's in the same building that Ben used to have uh, riding, uh, riding lessons in. Ben, when he was six, seven, eight, came up here and rode uh, because he has autism. It was a therapeutic riding. They, 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 they did that for us. So when we, we looked at each other and said, well, this is it. This is the place. But he's not done with us yet. If we're still here on this earth, we know God wants us using our gifts and our experience. He wants us walking in faith and in truth. Pastor Clark asked me one Saturday morning after a men's breakfast if, if or where I felt called to serve. I answered that I've always had a heart to serve men, and I also have a burden for marriages. Jesus calls us into services that we want to do. See, I have a burden to serve with men. I have a burden to work with people in their marriages. I, I like to do that. I want to do that. And so God actually calls us to do those things. 
he's, he, he gives us the desires, and then he lets us complete our joy by doing the things he wants us to do. John 10.10 10 says, I have come so that you may have life and have it to the full. He gives us the talent. He only asks us to use it for him, and when we do, it will bring us joy. The mission here at Valley Brook, love God, love people, change the world. When Jesus comes back, I want to be loving him. He said, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Then he said later, this is my command, love each other. Ready or not, here he comes. If you're not ready today, I want to uh, lead you in a prayer. And the only way to be ready is just if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. That's the only way he's going to bring you to those places he's prepared. If you haven't accepted Jesus, you're not ready. But if you want to be ready, it's as simple as, as repeating these words in your heart after I say them. And then I'm going to pray for the congregation. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are here this morning. That I thank you that you live in your word and that your word comes alive to us. I want to pray for those who don't know you right now. I pray that they would get ready by saying these words to you from their heart, meaning them from their heart. Lord Jesus, I know that I have sinned and I know I can't save myself. I want you, Lord, to save me. I trust in your sacrifice on the cross, your shed blood to cover me. I want to ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I will live for you the joyful life you have in store for me. I want to be ready for when you come again. Amen. And I want to pray for the congregation that we would be ready, Lord. You tell us to do not to store up treasures here on earth, but to store up treasures in heaven. The only treasures we can bring with us are souls. We want to bring souls with us when we come to heaven, Lord, so help us to use our gifts and our, our, our resources, our time and money and everything else you give us to proclaim your truth and to bring people with us when we come. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.